scripture reading for today, and it comes from Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 24 in the NRSV version. Here's the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. Yet, you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but... You have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Amen. For those who don't know, today's message title is Repent or Perish, Part 2. We are weary, so is God. Let us pray. Lord, as we go through this Lent season, help us to connect with you in a much deeper way as we look at what separates us from you, our sins. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a moment where you realized that other people in your life somehow managed not do something which was totally obvious to you. For me, that happens pretty often, like when my kids somehow forgot to do their homework or to give me school paperwork that they need signed on the day of, like two minutes before they need to get out of the house. Or when Don accidentally leaves his socks on the floor, and I I know I do that too, but it's a little more hmm, aggravating a little bit when your spouse actually does it, not you, right? So when this sort of thing happens, I find myself telling my kids or Don, hey, what's that? What what happened? You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And of course, they finally see it, and then they reply, oh, yeah, whoops, I forgot. I think it's fairly easy to notice when others don't do things that we think are very obvious, things we think could impossibly be missed, But when it comes to ourselves, we can be completely blind and deaf. When it comes to things that are so obvious for ourselves, things that are so easy to notice in others, we suddenly cannot manage to see them at all, especially those obvious things in our walk with God. I want to share a story with you. About five or so years ago, I was studying at seminary in America, 
I was wrestling with the question of what the future plans would be for my family and I after I graduated. So I was pouring out my anxieties and worries and concerns to a friend of mine who was, who was listening with me, such patience and kindness. And then this person said, what does God have to say about all of that? And I was shocked at first to hear what she said. And I then, immediately after, I felt so embarrassed because you know what? I had not been bringing this particular concerns up to God. I was so busy dumping my anxiety and worries on someone else's shoulders that I had completely neglected the most important person in my life, my God. This experience was and still is a very good reminder for me about going to God first. The truth is that I need that reminder every day because you know what? If I don't have that reminder, I can find myself forgetting to do the most blindly obvious thing that any Christian, let alone a pastor, could be expected to do, to bring my worries and concerns and the concerns of our church to God. I have to confess, even though I know the importance of going to God first and always, there is a difference between knowing something and practicing it in your daily life. The difference for me, however, is that as a pastor, I now have a responsibility not only to remember to take things to God for myself, but to encourage the whole church community to prioritize going to God first and foremost, both personally and in our actions as a church community. Last month, we had a council retreat where we met to discuss visioning and our plans for the future. Of course, this was such a big conversation to have, so those of us serving knew that we would not be able to make final or concrete plans in just one retreat. But we were still sharing and discussing our thoughts and ideas, and when one of the council members said something like, can we pause for a moment and pray before we discuss this any further? And this was another moment for me, like the one I shared with you earlier, when my friend asked me, what does God have to say about all of that? And again, just like the first time, I was shocked at first. Not shocked at what this person has said, of course. I was shocked, embarrassed even that as a pastor, as a someone who called to lead both practically and spiritually, I did not think to suggest anything like this. Instead, it was a member of the council who pointed out this obvious need, in a sense, that person was more of a pastor to me in that moment than I was to them. I was so grateful that this person had brought this up and reminded us of all the need, us all of the need for prayer. So we posed our discussion and took the time to pray. I was grateful for the time we were able to spend in prayer together, but this moment helped me to reflect even more deeply about how I had been functioning in life both as a Christian and as a leader. So I decided that I ought to pray about this even more and while spending my own time in the presence of God, I asked myself, 
how could I not even think to propose the most obvious thing, most obvious Christian needs to bring our concerns to God in prayer? And as I meditated on this question, it was revealed to me that what was at the heart of the problem was a single emotion I had, fear. I had been afraid to bring up prayer because I feared thinking some might care more for the efficient use of time than to the gentle nudging of the spirit. I was afraid, thinking that some might be upset if I disrupted the flow of the conversation and inconvenienced the business of the church in favor of prayer. As I mentioned to you all two weeks ago, confrontation and assertiveness are not my strongest skills. As I reflected and prayed more, I came to realize that in that space, I was caring more about human concerns more about human desires than about, than about the will and desires of God. What might people think if I say this? What might people feel if I propose that? In that realization, I repented to God and told God that I was sorry. And now I want to say sorry to all of you as well because that is not the way I should have acted as your pastor. When we face moments like these in our lives, I don't think that anyone intentionally chooses not to pray to God. We all know the importance of prayer, at least intellectually. Many of us actually pray often. We pray during the service at the beginning and the end of church meetings and classes, before meals and before going to bed. We do pray in that way, but I would like to ask us all today to ask ourselves, something that goes deeper than these surface-level prayers. Do we really know who we are speaking to when we pray? Are we truly praying for specific things, lifting up real and honest needs you have? Or are we limiting ourselves to giving thanks and praise and only petitioning God for things in a very general way? This is what God meant when speaking through the prophetic words of Isaiah in verse 22, to call upon the name of God, asking for specific things, calling for answers to specific questions. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 22, the word of God through the prophet Isaiah to God's people says, you did not call upon me, O Jacob, in the early 6th century BCE, the kingdom of Israel had been taken over by Babylon, one of the great and rising powers in the region. Their military force came down upon Israel and taking control of the nation and people of Israel. At this time, many people were taken from Israel to Babylon, forced to move there in order to supplement their population as forced labor. The Israelites have been forced to leave the comfort and safety of their home country by force, made to live in an entirely new land where people spoke differently, practiced a different culture, even worshiped different gods. And all the while, they still needed to be able to go on with their lives. They needed to keep working, earning money, finding ways to support their families and community. Can you imagine how hard that must be? We can see something similar happening right now, right? In Ukraine, 
as people are forced from their homes, their beautiful nation, resettling as refugees in a new, different land. You think that in times like this, the people of God would do the obvious thing, that they would come together and call upon God. You would think that they would cry out, asking God to help them with their difficult lives, living as forced labor in a foreign land. But according to today's scripture, they didn't. They did not call upon God. Not only that, they stopped doing those basic, obvious things that they once did to remain close to God. God says, verse 23, you have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. Verse 24, you have not brought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. These things are not random, weird things that God is asking for the people of God. Long ago, the people of Israel had been given specific instructions from God to give animal sacrifices at the altar when they thought God dwelt and burned offerings like sheep or cattle offered so that the sins of the people might be forgiven. They had been instructed to use sweet or any other aromatic cane to make sacred anointing oils to anoint places and things gathered together to meet God. The burnt offerings and sacrifices and other things Isaiah talks about in today's scripture were meant for the people of God to experience and remain in closer relationship with God. This was the way in which they experienced spiritual cleansing and the forgiveness of sins. This was how they welcomed the divine by making themselves in their places of meeting holy and anointed. This was the basis for their personal relationship with God. But despite all that, the Israelites did not call upon God, did not do the obvious, basic work necessary to remain in an honest and active relationship with God. And when you think about the context, it is understandable, right? Living in a foreign country as forced labor, just barely scraping by. They might not have been had enough money to purchase sacrifices or prepare holy oil or sweet aromas to honor God always. It would have been tough to get appropriately honoring materials and sacrifices for God, so why even bother in the first place? But as unsurprising as it is, God already knew how hard this would be. God doesn't demand much from the Israelites during this period and even says, this verse 23, I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. The problem God had with the people of Israel was not that they had not somehow managed to offer the best of the best to God while still living in captivity. God was not weary by their lack of expensive or important frankincense. God did not send the prophet Isaiah to them with these words because tithing was down. God was confronting them because they were neglecting the simple, the obvious, the most fundamental aspect of their relationship with God. They had not prayed. They had not called upon God. In the midst of their captivity here, you don't even see God calling them out and condemning them for their violation of the first and greatest of the commandments, loving thy neighbors. God does not even condemn them for worshiping idols or other gods. God is saying that the problem here is not any of that. 
is that they did not come to see God in the first place. It was not that they failed to meet the specific terms of God's commandments, but they neglected to do the obvious and simple parts of connecting to God. Prayers, seeking forgiveness and pardon, and giving praise and honor to the divine presence through sacrifice and offering. When we hear, you have been wary of me, O Israel, God is revealing that this lack of relationship is at the heart of God's displeasure here. And you know what? God is wary of the people too. God confessed to the people through Isaiah, you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 24. Look, you stopped coming to me, stopped calling out my name. You have not been seeking forgiveness. The simple act of making sure nothing separates us making sure nothing disrupts our close personal relationship. You have not honored the special relationship that we could and we should have even now in the midst of your exile by maintaining even the most basic attempts at offering and sacrifice. Instead, you decided that these basic parts of our relationship were a burden for you unnecessarily work, rather than the loving maintenance of an important relationship. Because you did not call upon me. You can almost hear the grief in God's voice here, can you? When we think about sin, we often think about what you might call big sin, right? Adultery, stealing, violence, harassment, or what else? Uh, pride, uh, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, love, those so-called seven deadly sins. But it's not just the big ones. God shows us here that neglecting the small, simple, obvious parts of maintaining our relationship with God is a sin. No calling upon God in the first place, that's a sin. And it's a sin that really burdens God, really wearies God. I think we know, and at least we can see, that when we fail to cultivate a close, personal relationship with God, it wears us out in the end, experiencing burnout. But guess what? God is also weary when we don't cultivate that relationship too. I feel like I should make a confession today. I feel like I have not done a great job talking about how important it is for us to call upon God during this pandemic. And now, as war has started to rise up in our world, sin has grown in and among us and as a community and as a people in this world. And I have found myself ignoring this growing weight because I felt like it was the most important thing for us to focus on right now. And I was very wrong. Two weeks ago, I shared with you in my message that because of my struggles with assertiveness, I have not always confronted the sin I have witnessed in our church community. Since then, God has been helping me to reflect upon this weakness, and I am starting to see God's gentle yet truthful revelation. I have been missing the obvious. I haven't been calling upon God in a real genuine, authentic way. 
that I also haven't been speaking to you, how absolutely we need to prioritize calling upon the name of God. Rather than prioritizing prayer, I let myself give in to fear, placing my own worries about what others might say or feel should I confront them about the need for all of us, not only me, to move into a close personal relationship with God. Instead of going to God with my worries and concerns, pouring my heart out before the Lord, I pretended that I wasn't scared so I wouldn't have to call upon God. And when the time came, I couldn't confront. I couldn't speak up with strong conviction when I saw sin rise up within our community. I did not have the boldness I needed within me because I did not receive it from God in prayer. And when I began to realize this and repented, the difference was remarkable. Once I realized that I had not been bringing my fears, worries, anxieties, and other difficult feelings before God authentically and honestly, I confessed my failing and I prayed. I poured myself out, fully, exp- fully expressed myself more openly and honestly to God during worship and while reading and studying the scripture. And the more I did that, the more I did these basic things that I needed to cultivate a relationship with God the more I found myself being able to be truly honest, both to God and myself and to others. The more I called upon God for help, the more I found God giving me those things I so desperately needed. Boldness, patience, perseverance, self-control, love, forgiveness, and hope. In a way, this COVID pandemic is a little bit like a new exodus. We have been taken to places that we didn't want to go or where we never expected to be. Our very sense of normalcy has been taken and stress is high as all those things we're used to be able to do without a care in the world are suddenly highly restricted. This should be a time where we are seeking God more strongly than ever before. This should be a time when we are drinking in God's presence like the living water. It is to us embracing our challenges with the boldness and strength as people empowered by a relationship with God defined through prayer. But are we seeking God in this way? Are we calling upon God constantly in our lives together as a church community, speaking that close relationship through prayer, worship, and study and reading of the scripture? Are we as a church reaching out to God in relationship each and every moment? Have we been taking worship seriously, really embracing that opportunity to offer ourselves as a sacrifice and offering to God? Have we been reading and studying the scripture regularly, making sure that what comes out of our mouths reflects grace and mercy and compassion given to us in the teachings of Christ Jesus? Have we been acting as a people who are intimately connected with God? While I ask these things of all of us, let me be the first to confess before God and all of the community that both as a Christian and a church leader, I have failed to do what God has asked of me. I didn't call upon God first and always. Didn't seek that relationship for our church community during this pandemic season. Instead, I've sometimes allowed my fear of what others might say to dictate my words and actions. 
I didn't come to God seeking the boldness that comes from fervent prayer and heartfelt, heart worship, heartfelt worship of God. And because I didn't do these basic, obvious things within my own relationship with God as a church leader, I was unable to teach boldly about how we as a community needed to call upon God at all times, how we needed to take our time of worship seriously and commit ourselves in the reading and studying of the scripture. So today, I come before God and all of you to sincerely ask for grace and mercy, both from God and from you. And with the boldness and strong conviction that comes from having turned my heart to that relationship with God in fervent prayer and repentance. Let me say this to you now loudly and clearly. We, as a church, have got to go back to our fundamentals. We need to prioritize prayer, worship, and the reading of the studying of the scripture. We need to stop leading our community according to the dictates of our fear. With our unburdened hearts, we need to surrender ourselves to a newer, closer relationship with God instead. I know some of you are tired of serving. I know you are tired of the church culture, of arguing, distrust, disunity that has grown among us. I know you're weary. I am too. So let us turn our hearts back to God. Let us call upon the name of the Lord together again. Let us just admit to God that we are tired and pour our hearts out in prayer and worship and the reading of the scripture. Let us share our full self without any of the fear or pretense completely naked before God. I want to challenge all of us this Lent season to prioritize above all the things, all the other things that we think are the business of doing and being the church to call upon God first. Before we make decisions as a church community, before we present our vision of what church should be, before we talk about doing anything at all, before we even open our mouths to speak, let us first come to God in prayer and put that relationship first above all else. Right now, one of the big challenges our leadership is going through is a process of revising our church guidelines as Mang Emboshi, the government COVID restrictions are lifted. As their restrictions loosen, we also want to relax our own restriction as well and welcome children and the parents back into our church. But even though we want to do this, we find ourselves wrestling with different opinions on how to do this safely. This has not been an easy season for those in our church leadership, both the council and the pastoral team. With, ch with changing pandemic guidelines, online worship, hybrid worship, Zoom classes, changing pastoral care needs, we found the list of things we need to do just keep growing and going. And as the list grows longer and more complex, there has been a great temptation among us to set everything else aside, focus only on doing the business of the church and neglecting the fundamental, honest, listening relationship with God. This week, I would like to ask you to pray for our church leaders, that we might remember to call upon God before anything else. Like I said earlier, it is so easy to forget to do the obvious. And at the same time, I pray that you might hear this urgent call on your own heart as well. The call of our God who wants to be in relationship with you, who wants to hear your voice and to be a part of your life, no matter how hard it might be. When you are mad 
call upon God. When you're disappointed, call upon God. When you are hurt, call upon God. When you see injustice and unfairness in the world, call upon God. And when you take all this before God, when we invest yourself in worship and the reading of God's word, when you make your relationship with God your highest priority, you will receive the boldness and conviction you need to take action to confront the sin within yourself and within our community. And in that moment, when we embrace God and confront our sin, when we see just how far we have fallen from the honest, loving relationship with God, let us remember the verse that comes after today's reading, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. God lets our sin disappear into forgiveness and welcomes us home again. Then when we have finally called upon God, entered into that relationship fully, we can hear the promise God has made to all God's people or that they suffered in captivity in Babylon more than 2,000 years ago, or whether they are living through the challenges facing our church community here today. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Lord, we call upon you. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen. Amen.